This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope this message meets you where you are and elevates you to where God is taking you. Enjoy the message. I just wanted to say thank you to uh, our community, Hopeland Church, and everybody that has just continued to give so faithfully. Even though we aren't able to gather in our physical location all together, uh, we believe that day is coming soon. But thank you so much for your faithful tithe and offering. And uh, many have even given through our GoFundMe um, uh, page since we launched this church just over two months ago. And so just wanted to say thank you. Uh, I know uh, one of our team members is going to be receiving the offering at the end of the word and all that. But I just want to say thank you, church. We are able to do this because of your faithfulness. So thank you. So let's jump into the word here. If you would turn in your Bibles right where you are to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to read, uh, start in verse 1. And let me just pray. Father, we thank you for this word. I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you just speak to everybody. And Lord, that you bring us revelation about who you are, Jesus, and what you've done for us and how that changes everything about us and our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you once again for participating this morning. Uh, and so here we go. First Corinthians, chap- First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to read that. The message today is simple. It is about the cross. So that's the message, the cross. And so as we approach Easter, um, Next Sunday, I just wanted to share about the cross and what it says in the word about Jesus dying for us. So here we go. First Corinthians chapter two, verse one to two. It says, and I, brethren, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. When I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Didn't come with fancy words and a, and a communication that is uh, that wasn't the emphasis. His communication style, his communication skills was not what was most important. Verse 2, it says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So here in the early church, he's talking to a local church community in the city, in the region of Corinth. And he says, look, guys, I did not come to you with fancy words and great communication skills and oratory. I came to you and I was determined. It was my decision as a spiritual leader to keep this thing simple and to know nothing among you other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is my first point. The cross is our central message. There is nothing more important than that. Um, there is nothing that carries more weight than that. That is the message. And the word determined, it means this. This is powerful because I, as, a, as a pastor, I'm speaking to our church and the church that uh, my wife and I pastor. But um, as spiritual leaders, it is our decision to keep things simple according to the word. And he said, I determined, which means he made a choice. He decided as a spiritual leader, as an apostle in the early church. And that he decided it was his choice to judge by separating what is right and wrong and choosing the right thing. 
And so we as a local church at, at Hopeland Church, we are going to keep things simple. And I'm here to tell you right now as a reminder that the cross is the message. There is no other message. There is no other message than that. It's the only message that saves, heals, delivers, liberates, and frees us from sin's penalty. It is the only one. There is no other. You can't be good enough to be saved. You can't go to church enough to be saved. You can't listen to enough preachers to be saved. You can't pray enough to be saved. It is because of the cross and what Jesus did, period. That is the basis of our faith. It is the basis of what we live for. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look at, there's so many good messages out there, right? Especially in this wonderful nation of America. But success, opportunity, influence, prosperity, spiritual gifts, purpose, etc. are all good messages, but they are secondary to the cross. If we ever emphasize any of those outside of the cross, it ceases to be the gospel. It is maybe the American dream. Maybe it's just really good stuff. Maybe it'll encourage you in your natural life, but it is not the gospel if it is void of Christ and him crucified. Christ and him crucified is the filter by which every message we preach must be filtered through. You know, and, and look at verse um, look at verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what does that tell me? That it's possible for pastors and preachers to preach a message that unbeknownst to them, not intentionally, that people's faith start to lean on the personality and not on Christ. It starts to lean on the, on the communication of the, of the charismatic leader and not on Christ. He, this is what he said. He said, my preach wasn't that because if it was that, if, if, if the pastor's emphasis is his communication and his skill and his slick way of saying things, sooner or later, people's faith will start to rest on that man. And how many of you know some changes that have happened in our culture as of late have shifted the paradigm and it's, and it's giving all of us an opportunity and us to evaluate where is our faith really? Where is it really? I think all of us have been home a lot and we've been thinking a lot. I'm one of them. I've been thinking a bit about what I do and why I do it and how I do it. You know, there's a lot of horrible things happening and people dying from this virus and, and the economy collapsing. It has caused me to evaluate where am I putting my faith? Where is Sean's faith really? All right. If we have the Holy Spirit power in our gatherings and our community, people's faith will rest in God. But if in our gatherings and in our preaching and teaching, if it does not have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, I, th th this is, I believe God is, is this is like a warning. This was a warning to the church in this region that, hey, guys, 
This is about the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Jesus dying and, and being buried and right, rising again from the dead. That is where our faith lies. If we have no Holy Spirit power in our gatherings, in our community, people will rest their faith in men. And it will not rest in God's power. And so with that said, you know, the first point, the cross is the central message. It is the only message that the church has been given. All right, let's move on here. Uh, we're going to continue. If you were turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So just turn back. Um, just um, actually forward um, a chapter, and we're going to read that. And I just want to encourage everybody here. This is the power of the gospel in the local church. I love the, the story of Corinth and that region in the local church because they were people that were experiencing the power of God, the demonstration. Paul said it. I came with demonstration. Those people experienced God's power, healing, the gifts of the Spirit, um, the anointing of God. Uh, miracles, healing, all that good stuff, amazing stuff that should be in the local church and should be a part of a Christian's life. But if you look at it, they were also being confronted with some gross, dark sins they were involved in. And I'm here to say that's the beauty of the local church, that God's grace um, empowers us to experience Him in a real, powerful, life-transforming way. But His love, empowers us to walk with people as they're coming out of sin and coming out of the struggles in their life. And so let's continue to do that as a church. Believe for God's power, but not condemn people when they struggle. That is the beauty of the message of the cross. So here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1. Once again, he says, And I, brethren, did not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal or, or um, you know, natural, uh, unspiritual, as to babes in Christ. Verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. So now he's just coming with a little uh, challenge here to the church. And even now you are still not able. Could you imagine your pastor sending you a postcard? Say, look. I, you know, I tried to give you some good, a good meal, but you couldn't take it. I hope I see you next week. You know, uh, he wasn't condemning them. He's just challenging them to grow. Okay. There's a difference. I believe as a spiritual leader, as a pastor, one of my responsibilities I am accountable to God for is to challenge the bride to come up higher, to challenge the people of God to, to dig a little deeper and, and, to, and, to, and to press into God a little more. And that's all he was doing here, okay? For until till now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Verse 3, for you are still carnal. You're still in your flesh. You're still wrapped up in the affairs of this life. You are unable to perceive spiritual truth. That's what he was saying. For where there are envy and strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I love that because we as a church and the body of Christ aren't to behave like normal people. We are not normal. We are peculiar. We are 
God's special people. We are different. Uh, the word holy literally means uncommon. It literally means to be uncommon. For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And when one says, I, here it is, I'm of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. They were identifying their spiritual life by endearing themselves to a human being more than Christ. And these are legit spiritual leaders in the early church. And God's people got it wrong. They were identifying with their leader more than Christ. They were identifying with the brand of their church more than Christ. I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? And this is my second point. And I, this is the heartbeat of our community, Hope Plant Church, is that we're equipping Christ followers, not building church brand fans. I'm going to say it again because it's quiet in your living room right about now. Maybe it's not. I have kids. It's super loud right now at my home while this is going on. Uh, but here it is. We're equipping Christ followers. That is it. That is the message. Not building church brand fans. Nothing wrong with loving your church and being a part of your church and faithful to your church and loyal to the leadership in the house that you serve. And that is part of the gospel. It's part of the local church. It is, it is, it is part of scripture and the Christian life. But I'm here to say right now, I believe in this time and in this season, this is happening in our nation and in our churches where our commitment is more to a brand, a cultural context other than Christ and him crucified. In verse five, who then is a Paul? Who is a, he's like, who are they? He's the one writing this going, Paul is nobody. Apollos is nobody. But what ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Verse six, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's all about giving God glory for what he's doing, not identifying to some natural social context and putting it above Christ and him crucified. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. You know, and it talks about, you know, how um, there are divisions as a result. You know, this can cause divisions in the body of Christ. And that word division means to separate people into pointless, groundless factions. And we, during this time of even Easter, man, it is all about the cross. It is all about Jesus Christ and him crucified, okay? Um, we were just talking, and, and it's, this is, you know, the, uh, we are all kings and priests. We're a holy nation. Holy, not, it's not natural. It's not cultural. It's a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood, not the preacher is the super anointed one. That This doesn't take away from submitting to spiritual leadership. This, this is what I'm preaching here and teaching is taking away from an inordinate affection to a person other than Christ. All right? And, and so uh, you are the ministers out there. My job, as I said, is to equip you to do it. Uh, that's my role. That's my responsibility. That's my grace but you're the ministers. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. 
you go and 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 do what you're called to do uh and and because you're a priest you can approach god you don't need to go into a little box and slide a little door over and say forgive me father for i have sinned you don't need to do that you can confess your faults to one another you, there is no this is the priesthood of all believers i'm gonna say it again this is the in christ the the death burial and resurrection of christ has anointed and mandated a body to do the work of ministry we were just talking um, before we recorded this and uh one of our leaders was saying i'm going to say who it is so you guys can give her a shout out today her name's tina everybody tina one of our leaders woo woo tina she's one of our leaders and she was sharing how she was on a zoom call with some of her friends that didn't know christ and uh they were just talking and connecting and one of them had an ailment in their body and um one of them said hey tina why don't you pray for her and tina's like hey right so Tina prayed. Tina wasn't like, you know what? I can't pray. I have to ask my pastor. Maybe my pastor can pray for you. Um, not that I wouldn't or can't, but she's a priest. She's anointed, right? I'm pointing this way because she's in the studio. She's over there. Um, but um, but uh, she, she prayed for her. And um, she, her friend um, felt way better got better, was actually going to go to the hospital and just check in and say, what's going on here? But her prayers are powerful. She's a priest. Priests approach God on behalf of people, and priests approach people on behalf of God. That's what she did. This is the heartbeat of our community. We are equipping Christ followers, not building church brand fans. This is the purpose of the cross. To empower God's people to love, serve, and impact people's lives with the gospel. Yes. And for my next point, it is we are Christ-centered, not consumer-driven. I'm going to say it again. This is the next point. We are Christ-centered, not consumer-driven. Um, because the when we are Christ-centered as a community, we will reach people that may uh, very well be consumers or just in that space. But our message, what comes from us, from our mouth, from our life is Christ. And we're going to preach that. We're not going to flip the, the message and, and go start with people. What do they want to hear all the time? What, what, what does the consumer want? What does the popular populace want? No, we're going to preach the cross and once again, leave the outcomes to God. So get this in your spirit. We're Christ-centered, not consumer-driven. All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I just want to read verse 3 and give you the definition of the word division. And when we start emphasizing and putting our faith and trust and leaning on things that aren't the cross, are not Christ, it inadvertently creates divisions. So we as believers, Christ followers, it is required of us. It should. It, this is our whole thing because when we focus on Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit coming to live in and through us, that creates unity in the body of Christ. It unifies us. When culture trumps Christ, it creates division. And it says it in verse 3. It says, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife and divisions among you he's talking to the church are you not carnal 
and behaving like mere men. And that word divisions, I, I touched this a, a moment earlier, but I just wanted to go a little deeper and then we'll continue on. Uh, but divisions, it's the Greek word stasis. It means basically to stand against, to stand against, um, to separate people by choosing a side, okay? Um, it also means this, to wrongly separate people into groundless factions. So anything we exalt above Christ will wrongly separate us, and we don't want that. And when we are unified under the banner of Jesus and Him crucified, it inadvertently unites us because we all have unique differences. Um, that's beautiful, and it's a part of who we are, but it's the cross that unites people from all different backgrounds and lives and wherever you find yourself in life, it's the cross and Christ crucified that unites us. And so, uh, so 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, let's go to verse 18. And it says this, verse 18 and 19, for the message of the cross is foolishness. Uh, somebody say foolishness. Very good. Foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Somebody say power. All right, one more time, say foolishness. And then say power. All right, that's the difference. It says, I will destroy, this is what the Bible says, or is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing, nada, the understanding of the prudent. That word foolish means stupid. The cross is stupid to the world and to those that are, it's stupid. It means moronic, nonsensical. It means lacking a grip on reality. That's what it means. That's how the world sees us as uh, a people uh, that, that trust and believe in the cross, that it is stupid, it is moronic, it is nonsensical, it is lacking a grip on reality. All right? Uh, and so verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. So regardless of what people think or say, um, we preach Christ crucified. Regardless to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks, foolishness. To those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. All right? And so here is my last point. Um, we preach Christ crucified and leave the outcomes to God. When we preach, preach uh, not peach, but preach, when we preach Christ crucified, we allow God to do what only He can do, and we leave the outcomes to Him, all right? The message of the cross levels the playing field for all humanity, that there is nobody exempt from the need of salvation in Christ. Uh, you know, everything that exalts itself will be humbled at the cross, we are all the same. We are all in need of grace. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when we see somebody falling short, our, our heart ought to be to lead them to the cross 
lead them to the shed blood of Jesus and not condemn them because at the foot of the cross, it is level ground for all of us. The cross requires that we recklessly abandon ourselves to God and his kingdom. I love this because regardless of the response of people, it does not change the cross. Regardless of what people say, regardless of what culture says, it doesn't change the cross. To some, it's foolishness. To some, it's power. Regardless of their response to Christ crucified and salvation by grace through faith alone, it does not change the message. All right? We don't change the message to uh, identify with culture. We preach the message to change culture. I'm going to say that again. We as a community, me as a pastor, God forbid, Lord keep me. God let me never water down the message of the cross so I can appeal to people that think it's foolish. It will speak, we will, I will preach the cross and let the out leave the outcomes to God. I will speak the truth of the cross and the need for salvation through Christ alone to my dying day and leave the outcome to God and what he will do through that. All right. Once again, the cross requires, requires that we recklessly abandon ourselves to God and his kingdom. One thing that is sacred and is never going to change is the message of the cross. We may change our method. We may find ways. I think we have an amazing creative community that really engages in so many different ways and so many different aspects to create an environment that we just appreciate and like. But at the end of the day, all those things are culture. Like we as a community, we have uh, uh, merch and we like to, you know, and our team loves to do those things in an environment that we just happen to like and appreciate that, that may not fit in certain areas, but we like it. But at the end of the day, that's all culture. It's not the cross. It's just culture. Those things will change. But let's, as a church, keep sacred what ought to be sacred. And everything else, we're open to change it. We're open to change it. We, we want to change it because it's not sacred. But let's leave the Bible alone. Let's, let's leave the message of the cross alone. Let's leave that Jesus died, buried, rose again, born of a virgin, sinless, spotless lamb. His shed blood is the only thing that can wash away your sin. We are going to leave those. We're going to keep those as sacred in our community. So what are the outcomes? What are the outcomes of the message of the cross in any community or a person's life? Here are some outcomes. This is what happens when the cross is the main message, when it, when it, when it has its proper place in our hearts, in our lives, and in our community. is humility and humbleness of heart. Why? Because it's what he did, not what I did. It's what he did, not what the preacher did. It's what he did, not how the preacher talks. It's what he did and not how cool the preacher is. It's what he did and not how fancy the, the preacher dresses. It's what he did and not because it's some hipster environment that everybody thinks is cool. It's what he did, okay? Another thing that the outcomes of the cross are this, brokenness and freedom from pride. That we have a brokenness that God's attracted to. I don't mean as far as being broken in the sense from sin. I'm saying our brokenness before God our openness of heart, 
our, 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 our humility and humbleness of heart. Why? Why, why does it do this? Because anything we are is because of what he did. Here it is. It also, the cross also emphasizes and the, the, the results of preaching the cross uh, create a culture and an environment in our community and in our life that values every human soul because Jesus died for them. Once again, it creates a mindset and a heart in God's people. The value for every human soul. Also, what does it do? It creates in us a compassion for those who are struggling with sin because we know how they can come out of it and we know how it feels to be in it and we know what it's like to struggle with it. The cross puts a compassion in our heart for those that are struggling with sin. Here's two more. It also creates clarity of vision and simplifies life because at the end of the day, there is no other message. There is no other person, capital P, worth living for. And there is no um, other way out of sin and into heaven. Also, last but not least, the message of the cross defines and reiterates why we do what we do. There's no other reason. It's not about success, opportunity, influence, open doors. It is because Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. That alone is worth living for. I hope you enjoyed the message, and my prayer is that it inspired and challenged you. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings, and to stay connected, just follow us on social media. Remember, there's always hope, and your future in God is great.